Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. I love learning about what scares people and how they got into horror. Did you have an older sibling who let you watch a forbidden movie while your parents were out? Were you the kid whose favorite holiday was Halloween? Or are you someone who was born feeling certain that ghosts and paranormal activity were real? I had a great conversation discussing these questions and many more with Monica and Caitlin, the hosts of our new podcast, Scaredy Chat. And you can hear the episode next Monday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. A parasitic person never earns or deserves the things they take. It can be as simple as physical objects, or they can take the energy from the room itself. Even worse, they can take the life from your very soul. So pay close attention because these predator parasites are always lurking where you least expect. First, mistakenly summoning death, followed by a secret that will kill you. Then peaceful woods turned into a living nightmare. Finally, in our featured story, the monster that seeks fresh victims. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com slash snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? Predator Parasites When you behave badly, 
It is not only you who can suffer the consequences. If you're not careful, you could bring destruction down upon your whole family. Like in this story inspired by Farazi. Seema was 15 years old and getting paid to babysit her little brother while her parents were on a business trip. Asher, her little brother, was nine years old, full of energy, and after only one day, Seema was already exhausted from being with him. Every day as they would pass by the supermarket on their walk home from school, Asher would beg Seema to let him run in and buy a whistle like the one his friend had. Knowing how much more annoying Asher would be if he had a noisy toy, Seema always told him no. One day, Seema told him he could walk with his friends instead of her and that she would see him at home later. When Asher came home that afternoon, he began running around the house and loudly blowing a whistle. Seema, who was trying to write an essay, was immediately irritated. She stomped downstairs and took the whistle from Asher. Seema inspected it closely. It looked very old. More like a priceless antique than a cheap supermarket whistle. It was made of metal and had the face of a little girl etched into it. It did not look like the whistle his friends had. She demanded to know where he had gotten it. Asher didn't want to say at first, but when Seema pressed, he admitted he had stolen it. He and his friends spotted an old lady who left it sitting next to her on the bus bench as she dozed. His friends dared him to swipe it. Mortified, Seema scolded him. They both knew it was wrong to steal. She told him that first thing in the morning they were going to find that old lady and return what belongs to her. And don't you dare bother me with that thing tonight, she warned as she put the whistle inside a cabinet and went upstairs to finish her paper. Late that night, Seema awoke to the sound of a whistle blowing constantly. She fumed as she looked at her clock, 2 a.m. She jumped out of bed and marched downstairs and shouted for Asher to put the whistle down. Seema stopped short when she stepped in something wet and sticky. She turned on the light and gasped in horror when she saw blood on the floor and what looked like pieces of flesh. Asher, where are you? This isn't funny, she cried. There was no answer from Asher, just the unrelenting sound of the whistle. She followed the bloody trail until she found the source of the whistle blowing. An old woman crouched down over Asher's still body on the floor. Seema quickly realized this was no ordinary woman. She had claws instead of hands and fangs instead of teeth. She blew into the whistle and blared its unholy tune while she tore the skin off of Asher's dying body. Seema screamed and ran for the stairs, but instead found someone else in her house. A little girl with claws and fangs just like the old woman. Blood dripped sloppily from her mouth, painting her face with a horrific frown. Seema recognized the little girl's face as the one that was etched into the stolen whistle, the one that continued to wail throughout the house. Suddenly, the old woman sped out the whistle and it slid across the floor, 
unnaturally landing at Seema's feet. The little girl picked up the whistle and offered it to Seema. She could see that the face on the whistle was now that of her brother, Asher. Do you want the whistle? The little girl asked in a deep and raspy voice that sounded like death itself. Seema was frozen with fear, so the little girl took her hand and placed the whistle in her palm. As soon as the whistle touched Seema, the horrid old woman moved in her direction. Suddenly, Asher's nearly dead body rose and marched towards her as well. Seema screamed and flailed as the whistle burned into her flesh. The old woman's face unfurled into a fanged grin as she explained, The sins of your sibling will follow you through this life and the one after, neither dead nor alive. He will never know peace and neither will you, a burden that can only be relieved by finding the sins of another. The old woman hissed a final word of thanks because she was now free thanks to the sins of Asher. She and the little girl turned to dust before Seema's eyes. With no other choice, Seema walked out her house and blew into the whistle as her not-quite-alive and not-quite-dead brother shambled behind her. Thank you so much, Farazi, for inspiring this tale. That's like a one and done. You don't get three strikes sometimes when it comes to the supernatural. How about you, listener? Could you ever be peer pressured into doing something wrong? Have you been caught? What were the unintended consequences? Tell us your story at somethingscary@snarl.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. 
And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. Secrets. Secrets can eat you up on the inside and destroy your soul. Sharing your secret with the world can be the thing that saves your life. Like in this letter by Leo. Marquia, if you get this, thank you for sharing my experience. I need to get this off my chest. It was December of 1999 when she infested our quiet home. My father called for me from downstairs. I assumed it was time for dinner but he was waiting for me at the bottom of the stairs. I saw the panic in his eyes and I knew, I knew something was wrong. He said he wanted me to listen to him very carefully and my heart started to race as he continued. It's very important that you keep your eyes on me. You're going to notice someone else in our home, but you must ignore her as best you can, he explained. I started laughing and assumed this was some sort of weird joke, but before I could further respond, he continued, she will whisper things, follow you, and try to get your attention. It's going to be very difficult, but you must never interact with her. He promised she would eventually leave, but only if I pretended she wasn't there. He made me promise to not even think about her. I had so many questions, but I was too frightened and confused as I realized this was not a joke. I just nodded and slowly crept down the stairs. I felt the temperature drop significantly as I reached the first floor and smelled a sickening, sour scent in the air. It smelled like something had died. Seated at the table was my sister across from me, looking at her empty plate. My mother pulled a casserole out of the oven, her eyes swollen from tears. I kept my focus on my family, but out of the corner of my eye, I could see it. Her. I could see a blurry mess of dark matted hair and sickly gray skin. The energy was sucked from the room, drained of all the warmth and laughter that usually accompanied our meals. My sister grabbed my knee under the table and whispered, can you see her too? I nodded. My father hissed at us to be quiet. With wet, sloshing footsteps, she walked forward. The smell was nauseating as the monster crept towards the table and stopped directly behind my sister. The thing we were not allowed to acknowledge rested a decrepit hand on my sister's shoulder. My mother did her best to pretend everything was okay and muttered incoherent small talk. My father clutched my sister's hand in an attempt to keep her from completely losing it. My sister spent the entire dinner with that monster's hand on her shoulder. All the while, 
nearly inaudible whispers spewed from the unacknowledged woman's mouth and filled the dining room with white noise. We lived like this for the entire summer and pretended everything was normal despite the ever-present unwanted guest. Even when we left the house, she followed us all. No one else noticed as she shambled along behind us at the grocery store or sat between me and my sister in the back seat of our car. Still, my parents didn't let anyone visit and never let us stay at friends' homes during the weeks and months of hell. We hid and whispered briefly to one another when it was absolutely necessary to discuss her presence. My father made us all promise to never tell anyone. That was the only way to quarantine her. My sister and I theorized that the monster infected a single household at a time, unable to be seen by anyone outside the home unless their mind had been tainted with the knowledge of the creature's existence. Everything changed the day my mother broke. One of the last days of summer, my mother realized that she would be the only one stuck at home with the creature while my father was at work and we were at school. In the bathroom, alone with the horrid thing, my mother screamed and demanded that she leave us alone. The angry screams grew louder and louder until they became screams of terror and pain. There were several loud thuds and then dead silence. My father had been home after work. He had sprinted upstairs but knew he was too late. A pool of blood on the white tile was all that remained of my mother. The creature was gone but my father warned us that it would return if we thought about her long enough. And that is the reason I'm writing to you and your listeners, because I need all of you to think about her instead. Because I saw the creature again this morning, in the corner of my vision, for the first time in 18 years, somehow she returned. I'm sorry to put this terrible burden on you all, but I cannot afford to lose my partner or children to this monster like I lost my mom all those years ago. I need you to think about her dark hair and her gray skin. I need you to think about her terrible smell. Think about her and your home lingering on the edge of your vision so that she might spare me and my family. I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do now because you were infected as soon as this letter began. If she is not there already, she will be soon. Just please ignore her as best you can and hope, like with me, she finds someone else. I wonder if I should thank you for this letter, Leo. It seems as if you've let her out of her box. How about you, listener? Are you thinking right now about the woman? Do you see her anywhere in your home? Will you be able to sleep tonight knowing she might be waiting for you? When you're a guest in someone else's home, 
don't leave with something that doesn't belong to you because the owner just might kill you to get it back. Like in this story, inspired by Eric Simmons. Jerome took in the cool summer night air as he happily traipsed through the forest near his apartment. Feeling suffocated by his roommates, he was in need of some alone time. Soothed by the sound of the crickets under the shining moon, he had no complaints, even if the occasional damp breeze did make him shiver. As Jerome gazed up at the moon and stars shining through the trees, he missed a large stone in his path and tripped over it. His ankle twisted the wrong way and he dropped to the ground, smashing his head on another stone which knocked him out cold. Jerome woke with a pounding headache. He looked around for his phone and instead got a handful of water. He discovered he was at the edge of a small pond. Frogs croaked while the water gently sloshed as he slowly pulled himself to a seated position. He had no idea what time it was or how long he'd been out. He held his head in his hands, then began to toss a few rocks into the water as he tried to gain the energy to stand. However, not too long into this mindless ritual, he felt a sharp cut in his hand. Looking down, he faintly saw a gash on his palm from the rock. Even more annoyed with himself, he threw the rock into the water with a satisfying splash. Suddenly, the croaking stopped, and even the crickets were silent. Jerome stopped and listened as well, but nothing else seemed to be out there. He made his way to his feet, but shrieked in pain when he put weight on his ankle. He sat back down immediately. He wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. The frogs began to sound again, but their croaks now had a sinister tone. Soon, the crickets joined in with an angry cacophony. Tree branches reached out menacingly like arms wanting to grab him. Stars peeked out through the leaves as if they were eyes staring at him. He had been in the woods for far too long. It began to give him the same menacing anxiety he got from the city. Jerome wanted to get out of there. He pawed around for a large stick to use as a crutch. His hands found a small branch hanging down at the edge of the pond. He pulled it towards himself, and with a strong crack, it broke away from the tree, which silenced his irritated hosts once more. Using the broken branch, Jerome made his way to his feet. He winced in pain with each step as he began to trek back home through the silent woods. The only sound was his labored breathing until a whisper suddenly cut through the silence of the darkened woods. Mine, the voice said from behind Jerome. He looked back but could barely see anything. The voice repeated itself, sounding distant but fiercely present. Jerome called out to see who was there, but no response. He continued his walk home, this time much faster despite the pain. Mine. The voice, no longer a whisper, reverberated all around him. Jerome called out, If this is your land or something, I'm sorry. I didn't see your house here. Mine. The voice now sounded directly above him. Jerome looked up, 
and he saw white eyes hanging above him. He let out a cry as the eyes narrowed and a mouth appeared out of the darkness. It opened to reveal rows and rows of razor-sharp teeth and let out an otherworldly screech. Jerome ran for his life, despite his twisted ankle using the broken branch as best he could. He hurried through the underbrush, tripping and falling along the way. Something massive scurried behind him in pursuit, as if every cricket and toad ran after him. The voice grew louder and louder. Mine. 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 Jerome's lungs begged for him to stop, but the man knew that it would only get him killed. The voice became a scream, and Jerome felt blood begin to trickle from his ears. Just as he felt like he was going to drop from exhaustion, he finally, finally burst out onto his well-lit street. He refused to stop there and was thankful he didn't lose his keys in the forest as he desperately tried to unlock his door. The next morning, Jerome's roommates wondered why he had never come home. They decided to look for him but stopped short when they found the broken branch on their doorstep next to the word MINE written in blood. The police later found Jerome's body deep in the woods in a tree by a pond. The body was broken and mangled to resemble a branch stolen from that very same spot. Thank you so much, Eric, for inspiring this story. Nature is a killer. Have you ever taken something from nature? Do you know for Hawaii, for instance, you're never supposed to take any of the lava rocks lest something comes looking to reclaim them. When you took something from nature, did it bring you good luck or bad? Do you think that there are things that should be for everyone? Or is anything up for grabs? Never drop your guard. In times of great joy and celebration, it's hard to imagine all the possible dangers that might befall you. However, you must always pay careful attention, even in the best of times, because evil is always much closer than you think. Corrine and her sister Marul lived in a small apartment building in the Little Armenia neighborhood. Everyone knew each other in the building, which proved a blessing once Marul became pregnant. All of their neighbors donated their wisdom and experience, along with food and other necessities. The most helpful of all was Arpe, an older woman who lived on the first floor. Something didn't sit quite right with Karine about Arpe, but that didn't matter because Marul adored her. The old woman often overstayed her welcome, and she doted over Marul as if she was her own granddaughter. As Marul's due date approached, her health began to decline. She was in constant agony carrying her developing baby, often sick and vomiting. She could barely walk and became so irritable, she would often fight with her sister and ask her to leave her room. The only person she continued to tolerate was Arpe. Arpe brought her special broths and tended to all her needs. Arpe even tried to show Karine kindness, but she couldn't bring herself to trust the old neighbor. 
Finally, after a difficult labor, the baby girl arrived. She was healthy and beautiful, and thankfully, Marul was no longer in pain. When the sisters arrived home from the hospital, Arpe was waiting at the door. Karine objected to letting the woman inside so soon after the birth. It was Armenian tradition to never show the baby to anyone for the first 40 days, which kept the baby safe medically from germs and bacteria, but also it protected the baby spiritually from spirits and demons that might prey on an unblessed child. Marul said it was fine, however, because Arpe was just like family at this point. Against her better judgment, Karine let her sister have her way. Once inside, Arpe immediately asked to hold the baby. Karine noticed how sweet and loving the old woman looked at the baby and thought to herself that perhaps she was being too critical. But once the baby was in Arpe's arms, her whole demeanor seemed to change. Sweet and loving turned sour and sinister. Arpe's fiery eyes appraised the baby. She then walked toward the door, declaring, I will take the baby to show it to the rest of the neighbors. Finally, Karine had enough and snatched the baby from the old woman's grasp. Karine yelled, Every Armenian knows it is too soon for that. Get out of our house, devil! Arpe cackled, an unholy, guttural laugh as her teeth turned to razor-sharp fangs made of iron as boar-like tusks ripped out of the flesh from under her jaw. Copper claws sprouted from her old bony fingers, and she ran over to the mother with the ferocity of a wild animal. She stabbed her long claws deep into Marul's chest and pierced the woman's lungs, causing her to gasp for air that would not come. If I can't have the baby, I'll take the mother instead, Arpe hissed. In a flash, Karine realized that Arpe was an awl. Awls were demonic creatures that linger around pregnant women, trying to ruin pregnancies or steal the babies once they're born. If they can't take the baby, then they will kill the mothers, who they hate the most because they represent life itself. Kareen placed the baby in the bassinet behind her and tried to save her sister. But that was all the opening the creature needed, and she dropped Marul, running past Kareen to steal the baby. And before the sisters knew it, the all was out the front door. As Marul lay bleeding on the floor, she breathlessly begged her sister to save her baby. Kareen chased the creature downstairs and outside the apartment building, trying to recall anything she could about the old folk stories her grandmother used to tell her. And then she remembered. Smiling to herself, she took a shortcut. She knew where it was going. As Arpe ran for the large fountain in front of a nearby office building, she was surprised to find Kareen waiting for her. All the all had to do was jump over a body of water and the mother would die making the baby the demons forever. Kareen fell to her knees in the demon's path to the fountain and prayed she would not lose her sister or her niece today. 
As the woman shouted her prayers to the heavens, the demonic creature writhed and howled as it slowly faded away, leaving only the bundled baby at its feet. Overjoyed that her prayers worked, Corrine rushed to scoop up her baby niece and ran home as fast as she could. She was relieved to find Marul alive and healed from her wounds. However, as she looked down at the baby to hand her off to her sister, she realized the part of the old legend that she had forgotten. The awl always replaces the stolen baby with one of its own. Corrine and Marul looked down at the demonic bundle of horror now in their care. A pale-skinned imp with fiery eyes. Corrine may have saved her sister, but her work wasn't yet done. She had to help Marul take care of the demonic newborn, because the only way to return her sister's baby was tricking the all into swapping them back. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. Executive producer is Gail Gilman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.